Welcome back, guys. This is the Cat Beyond Podcast. I'm Kat. I hope that you're having a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are in the world. Just to give you a little bit of context for where I'm at, what I'm doing. Since I like to sort of set the stage since you can't see me during these podcasts, it is about 6 p.m. on Halloween, October 31st. We had this incredible full moon this morning, and the moon should be rising in an hour or two, I think, where I'm at anyway, in Florida. And right now I'm just sitting in my pretty yellow chair looking out my window. I finished up my sort of roundups of November astrology, of November lunations, and this month I added an extra little slide about high vibrational days, which you'll see in my Instagram post. And I had been meaning to do this to sort of like put it in one place because when I post pictures of my agenda, you can see the days that have an orange parenthesis around them, which I explained in, I think, one of the first episodes or two, that I put orange parentheses around days that are going to be really intense, or at least that astrologically... Um, look intense or for some reason I've just sort of had the inkling that they're going to be intense days and November is definitely really full of them um, as has been pretty much every month this year but November is a really interesting month because it's incredibly intense but it's also super transitional because December's um, huge and then January is huge and February is giant enormously intense. Um, I do believe that all of what has been going on in 2020 is about February of 2021. A lot of people have been like, oh, it's about December 2020. Yeah, definitely in a way there's like a really, really big change coming in December, but this sort of ultimate activation coming in February is unlike anything I just don't know that anything like this has ever happened in the history of astrology. Um, It's just like a super rare combination of things going on that's really just culminating in February. And I feel like it's not a coincidence that, at least for America, it will have been a year of quarantine, or approximately so. I know that we started in February, but... Or sorry, I meant March. Funny little Freudian slip there, but um, February was when... COVID started getting really intense in the world in general in Italy and that's when I started peeping it where I was like oh man my friends are in quarantine what is going on so anyway February will have marked about a year of really intense global quarantine and that's gonna have to be a whole separate episode we really won't even get to that for a little while because there have just been there have been a lot of episodes that have started and not finished and I've had to sort of prioritize especially as I'm working on these other projects but um, it is really important for me to talk about the November astrology because it's one of the most uh, the word rapturous came to mind the most rapturous months in terms of um, culmination of transformation and really starting to feel like you understand the context for why things have been going on the way they have and why we've been really put through it all year and why certain things we've had such trouble letting go of and why certain things have had such trouble coming into existence or manifestation when we've been working so hard on them and I 
think for a lot of us, this has just been a year of trying so hard and putting in so much effort and like putting our best foot forward as much as we possibly can and yet having all of these obstacles uh, present outside of our control. And November, some of those obstacles will... It's not that they'll disappear, but I think that they'll transform in our eyes and from our, from our own perspectives. And I think it's just that we might not... It's not that we won't still want those obstacles gone, but I think we'll appreciate them in a different way. And like I said, we'll sort of see the context of why they have been coming up and why we just keep being um, repositioned, redirected, and course-corrected throughout this year and why we will continue to be so... to be, to have that done to us in November. But, geez, oh my gosh, I just, I just got so excited because the thing about the November astrology is that we're starting the eclipse portal which is huge and it will be open from um the middle of november to the middle of january so we're gonna have a two-month eclipse cycle generally they're two months sometimes three months and this is what one of the things that this year is about um I think I said in a past episode that this entire year is an ecliptic year because we've had or we will have had six eclipses throughout 2020, which is absolutely unheard of. Next year we have, I think, four, maybe five, I'll check, but I think four. And um, and kind of because 2020 stole them. <laughs> uh, just like it stole a lot of things. And yet, you know, I just have to believe, based on my intuition, that it has sort of not so much stolen, but reallocated and invested some resources in certain places that in 2021 will be really, really thankful for a lot of what happened in 2020. I know I already am getting that sense. And there's sort of a balance of like waiting for the other shoe to drop and for things to get worse, but also my intuition telling me that even if something does get perceivably worse, it it is going to get better because um, I've just started to feel a lot more light coming in, a lot of fresh air coming in the past month or two, especially the past month, really. And I think a lot of that has to do with how much has gone direct over the past month and a half. Um, and that we're sort of starting to get into the swing of things and that um, we're already feeling the end of Mars retrograde, the end of Mercury retrograde, which is coming up in just a few days. So there's a lot of loose ends tying up over the next couple weeks, and then it's like bing, bang, boom, we jump into the wormhole, the lunar eclipse portal wormhole. So I think it's so interesting that all of these things really tie up over the next two weeks as a form of course, like a pre, like a pregame of course correction before we get into the true course correcting capacity of these eclipse portals and I I forget if I've said this in a past episode I'm sure that there will I'll be repeating myself in many different episodes and um, I think I'm getting to be okay with that I sometimes have a, a hesitancy to repeat myself especially because I've been given flack for that before in my life that like I, if you guys ever saw Powerpuff Girls, do you remember the character Mojo Jojo, the villain? And he would repeat things 
but like three times in slightly different ways and it was like he had just gotten like a thesaurus to say the same thing but in a slightly different way and I do feel like I do that but and I and I do that without meaning to but I've learned that it's effective in some ways one because in terms of like rhetorical or um not rhetorical in in the certain sense that some people see it but but when it comes to rhetoric practices and techniques around rhetoric repetition is really effective and saying something slightly differently is incredibly effective because things resonate for people differently so I could say things three different ways because maybe only one of those ways would resonate for a certain person so anyway uh my point is that I will be repeating myself in within episodes and you know within the span of multiple episodes because I don't know what episodes people have listened to and what they haven't so um let's talk before we get into the specifics of november astrology let's talk specifics uh or rather the sorry the generalities of what eclipse portals are for me and what i believe they represent so my saying about them is allow yourself to be moved in directions you didn't know you could go to places you didn't know you could existed i believe stephanie um osria rosaria Um, from Cosmic Path said that once or said something like it and it resonated with me for the past few years and I've never found like a better explanation of it. I have also seen the pattern with every eclipse portal that we are being course corrected for our true mission and purpose. It's entirely the reason behind the nodes and I do keep meaning to make a specific episodes about the nodes and what they are and what they do and and just sort of what their purpose is and what the meanings behind them is especially if um if you guys want to know what what your specific lunar nodes mean for you in this lifetime um that's something that I would really like to get into more about um specific things as they relate to each of us so I'm gonna get some water and take a slight little break because I'm getting thirsty. I would suggest that you guys do the same and I will see you in one sec. Okay, I hope you're feeling well hydrated. Super important to stay on top of hydration and making sure you're getting enough electrolytes and enzymes. It's a very thirsty and dehydrating time anytime that we have a placement in Libra and we have a really intense placement going on right now with um, Venus and Mercury there. So let's get back into the nodes and the eclipses. So as I've probably said in the past, the eclipse wormhole portals that usually are two to three months long are a period of elevation where we all feel a certain form of suspension, of hovering, of of being very highly elevated in this sort of observer's perch, eagle's perch. And it allows us to see a greater perspective on the whole for ourselves at the very least, but often in context with the greater whole of the world or the collective or of time. So it's it's almost a time where you get to step out of... Um, if you want to say the the 3D, if you want to call it that, and 
more easily access um, higher dimensions, higher planes, and live from that place and make decisions from that place. And so it's why you'll see people making really big decisions during eclipse portals um, or making really big changes or having big things happen to them either very often without like outside of their control um, and it's also why it's a really good time to plan for ways that you're going to take advantage of these opportunities to very easily shift it's like a time where it's so easy to transform it's not it's not like a retrograde in the sense that sometimes it's difficult to change and move forward during a retrograde cycle you can but it's you know sometimes there's obstacles against it because you're trying to go forward while energy might be pulling back but an eclipse portal is like giving you the rocket launcher to go as far as you want to jump so like if you set your sights on something really far away but you're like no I really I'm really sure about it I really want to do it and you don't hold yourself back from it you can go really far during an eclipse portal and I've seen this in my own life where some of the biggest um, leaps forward have been directly preceding or or during an eclipse portal sometimes right at the very very beginning sometimes right at the very end where it's like I I almost have this sense of like wait what dimension did I just pop into because like this is so different this is so big and oftentimes it's things that I've been wanting for so long sometimes it's like the manifestation of things has been coming for like a decade and finally it's here and um I have learned that my main um, mistake during those times is getting scared because it is such a leap forward very, very often towards something that I really, really want. And then immediately as soon as I, I go towards that, it's like, oh God, but like, am I ready? And have I done the work? And how can I sustain this? And like, am I, am I worthy? Have I, you know, so it's, it's very imperative that we go into this season and into this portal with a really strong sense of personal power and personal self-worth, which is why I don't think it's a coincidence that 2020 has forced us, forced us to dig super deep into who are we and who are we without our normal routines and our normal interactions and our all of our interactions with our friends or for some people with our families uh, or with our our colleagues and and who are we when we've had so much taken away from us and um, who are we when we're by ourselves so I I feel very fortunate that I've had so much alone time in 2020 it's really like quite shocking to look back and think how compared to any other year I've had, I mean, you know, and I, I live with, uh, sort of with my family on the same property. I have my own, my own, uh, apartment, but on the same property as my family, excuse me. Um, but so, so given that I've still have had a lot of alone time, even though I have a lot of interactions with my family, but like I said, compares to any other year, still so much alone time. And I know a lot of people have had that too, where even if they live with somebody, it's just been a very a very different dynamic for the personal time that we get to spend with ourselves. 
I think it's also no coincidence that literally two days before the portal opens, Mars goes direct. And Mars in Aries, as we've discussed in at least one episode prior, Mars retrograde has been all about gaining back a personal sense of our power and seeing where we've given it up to other people or to authority um authoritative institutions or people who we have put in our lives as in a position of authority over us or who we have let have too much influence over us as opposed to completely digging into our intuition and I've seen this in myself over the last especially few weeks to a month where I've been even more um private in certain ways about certain things even towards people that I trust completely and who I want to share certain things with but I've just really pulled back in a way of like you know I don't even want their praise or their opinions or whether it's praise or criticism or or um, which I'm quite sure that it would be praise and um, and compliments and wonderful things said to me for the most part about certain things I don't it's like I don't even want any input I don't want any influence because I've gotten so keyed into my intuition that I don't want extra information even if it might be really really positive which I'm sure it would be I just have felt very good about staying in a certain kind of manifestational marinating egg really like absorbing in all of all of the energy around me in this um almost like a an incubation egg an incubation chamber and especially where we only have like a couple more weeks of what's going on right now I've just been wanting to soak up every little bit of it so it's why I've pulled back and I've seen so many people do the same I noticed that so many people are internal over the past few weeks in a way that we haven't even been all of 2020 and yes some of it's the Scorpio energy but I do think all of it or some of it is um, related to this last leg of the Mars retrograde and of course Mercury retrograde like everything has been so holistic and so cooperative with each other that it's all just been very very conducive towards this um, really deep dive inward before we um, before we get really like catapulted forward with this coming approaching energy and the the eclipse portal wormhole so yeah I don't think it's a coincidence that two days before Mars goes direct and hopefully at that point we will have gained a very different sense of our power and how immense it is and how much potential we have and um, how powerful of creators we truly are at our core each of us so and and actually as I say that I'm just thinking about it where it's like you might think that you've gotten a sense of your personal power and especially whatever whatever house it's been happening in for you you might think that you've really gone leaps and bounds over the last six weeks that we've had this and I I feel the same and yet when I look at what's about to happen to me for the next week um and then what I don't know will happen after that um for me or for the world I'm really fascinated to see where we end up seeing how much more power we have and where we claim it over the next couple weeks I just 
it's in in general you can count with retrogrades but especially the way that mars retrograde works it's a little i don't i don't want to say it's less with mercury retrograde but i do think that it's a very powerful situation with mars and venus where the last leg of the retrogrades take your learning take the lessons that you've learned throughout that retrograde and just really put them um on like a hundred and ten percent um and just really ramp them up make them really really clear because it's like okay before we before we go direct we just want to like really drill this and make sure you've really gotten what we were trying to get out of you during this like just you know a a sort of cramming for the final it's just like you know sometimes that session where the teacher goes over stuff before the final and he really like uh bullet points it just like pairs it down into like okay you're really gonna want to study this and this and this because the test is coming up and um one of the tests coming up that we'll talk about in december is that saturn is leaving capricorn for real this time you know not to come back for the next i guess 27 years <sighs> so we're all getting that saturn and capricorn daddy test dad saying like are you ready to be um energetically an adult have you learned what i was trying to teach you for the last three years and it's interesting because almost to the day i mean we'll get into this in december kind of getting ahead of myself but it's just i i think i would be remiss not to talk about the test the like big big test that's coming up at the end of the year which is not just Saturn going into Aquarius, but Saturn and Jupiter meeting in Aquarius. So if you felt like you had a big test back in, um, was it March that, um, yeah, March, end of March, that Saturn went into Aquarius, if you felt like you had a big test right before that, that was like, that was the first part of the test. And this was like Saturn said, okay, well, Everybody, anybody who didn't feel like they passed the test at the grade that they wanted to, I'm going to give you the next, like, many months to study, and you're going to have no distractions because it's 2020, and you're going to be stuck inside your home, so really work hard and impress me when I give you this test opportunity again. So November is a lot about um, tying up loose ends before we take that test so anything that you feel that you've wanted to um improve on that you've let sort of slide november's a really good month to do that and wow as i'm saying that i i know exactly what my intention for november is like i knew it already but i hadn't thought of it in context to what i just said so i know what i'm trying to do in november the thing that i've been procrastinating on all year and I've been doing really important, so I don't want to. I don't want to say procrastination in a bad way. It's more of a, a a waiting and and biding my time until the energy was super fluid for this, because I have done things, and I'm sure that you have as well. Things that, that have been really important that have been pressing and urgent that took priority over the things that we intended to do or would have wanted to accomplish. And so I hope that you're very proud of what you've done this year. And don't feel bad if there were things that you set out to do that you haven't done. 
um, you have the opportunity to do it. And even if you don't get it done in November, like there's still time, you know, so don't, don't put that pressure on yourself, but just saying it's very likely that you have been prepared by the universe for the things that you wanted to accomplish this year. And I think that November is giving you the opportunity to accomplish those things. So that being said, um, so fun so fun oh I'm so excited I just it's it's so interesting where each month has its own situation going on but it's also that like the half points of the month be um are really interesting and so mid-November to mid-December is there's a lot going on there but let's get into the specifics of November so um starting on let's just start on the third uh, Mercury is going direct at 25 degrees Libra, and I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on this. You guys are probably very familiar with uh, retrogrades as they relate to Mercury, but once it goes direct, it's when your communication will be enhanced, and I'm so excited about that because I have an event on the fifth where I'll be needing to at least do some form of like socially distanced networking and discussing things with people and so I'm, I'm very excited that Mercury will have gone direct for that um oops, sorry I was trying to catch a fly <laughs> so your communication will be enhanced um and that's I was gonna say that's all I have to say it's not um hopefully your mind is feeling a little clearer it can sort of feel like um, you know after a move when you have all these things in boxes but you're like not ready to open up the boxes because you're still in transition and you're just still moving around so it's like not time to like take everything out of the boxes and try to put it away. This specific Mercury Direct is a little bit like the point at which okay all of your boxes are in, you're settled and now it's time to put everything away that's been sort of moved around for the past <coughs> sorry excuse me for the past few weeks especially so that's an exciting thing for me I'm gonna take another water break I had the strangest sensation in my throat and I think it's not surprising considering I was talking about mercury and I get a little nervous as a, I think it's a Gemini thing but maybe it's just a people thing I get a little nervous about mercury going direct because um, the things that you haven't been saying or haven't been communicating energetically, you know, in a way that, that feels correct or, like, if the energy that you're giving off has felt like it's being misunderstood or you're miscommunicating it or you're misunderstanding other people's communications, um, that generally clears up when Mercury goes direct and especially when um, Mercury shadow ends on the 19th um, but that it also makes me nervous and maybe that's my Scorpio placements because things are communicated more easily and that usually indicates change because anytime we have communication of what has been hidden or unsaid it usually um, kicks off some kind of uh, some kind of change or some kind of transformation of 
relationships or um, or career or our sort of relationship to something in our lives. So let's move on from that. The fifth and sixth, we have an incredible grand water trine between the sun in Scorpio, Neptune in Pisces, and the moon in Cancer. Especially that this is happening during Scorpio season. Oof. It's a very sensual set of days, a very energetically communicative day, well, set of days, and especially considering that Mercury has just gone direct and where Mercury went retrograde in Scorpio. Um, this is a day where your, this is what I would say, your sacral chakra, your sacral chakra, which rules your reproductive organs, will be communicating with you but it also will be energetically broadcasting to anybody around you and anybody that you are energetically connected to especially intimately especially romantically so on these days people can really hear what we're not saying and they can really hear or feel what we're feeling. They won't necessarily know like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling her feel, it, feel this way. But they will have a sense that they might not be able to place. The, the more aware and sensitive people will know exactly what they're hearing or sensing. They'll know exactly. They'll, they'll have that sense of like, who I either what they're receiving or some for very sensitive people they'll know exactly who it's coming from but the average person might even just sort of get an inkling where it's almost like they're empathically feeling what you're feeling and it can be a really like you know it's a water trine so it's um it's very fluid it can be a little bit uh the way that water distorts light and makes things look a little bit different under the water um, that's sort of what a water trine does. It takes you into this strange dimension where things are, um, where you perceive them a little differently and you're not a thousand percent sure of what the true physical boundaries of something is when it's submerged in water. You know how like sometimes you'll, you could put something in water and reach towards it and think that you're about to touch it but actually it's like a little to the left or a little closer or a little further away so um sorry i just heard a noise so that's a little bit of what the energy and the emotionality of a water trine is it's like it's so fun i think they're so fun they're they're maybe one of my favorite astrological transits because they're so they're so communicative and they're so like um revelatory where like I I do and don't like secrets you know I do and don't like things being unsaid of course of course I'm a you know Scorpio moon and Gemini sun like I like when things are said but I also really like secrets so um and I like privacy but the water trine is like that saying from the bible of let those with ears to hear hear and let those with eyes to see, see. Um, a water trine is that way because most people are going to hear a lot more than they normally do, even if they're not particularly sensitive. And so a sensitive person who's um, wanting to hear some more information, it's like that 
sort of voice or that that radio station from the universe comes in a lot louder and more clear especially the closer you are physically to somebody but even if you're not physically close to them um energetically that as we know waves travel for pretty much an infinite or rather energy and light can travel for um an infinite amount so that's the fifth and sixth let's leave that at that the eighth is a grand fire trine and that's between mars the moon and the south node I, you know, it's a funny little thing when we have these these trines so close to each other. Um, and I don't want to even guess too much about the 8th. I, I suspect that it won't be quite as strong of a fire trine as some of the past ones because it's just sort of like a one, one and done, like one day fire trine. And because of that, I think it, it doesn't have enough time to take root in order to be super like transformative like it's not a tower moment you know where something really big is going to happen but it is a little bit of an oomph like just a little bit of an extra dose of fire so I would suggest putting that towards your work goals those things that I said you'll want to sort of finish the the loose ends of in November the 8th is a really good day to move forward with that Um, or to really like spark it off from the very beginning if you're feeling like a sense of a hesitancy to start like you're not quite sure how to get started or you might feel like perfectionism or procrastination and you're just really having trouble starting a fire trine is a good way to um, spark that off and catalyze that so um i was just checking the time because i think we're supposed to do a a fire pit tonight for the halloween full moon so I would suggest using the eight that way, just like forewarned is forearmed. Don't get in fights that day. Um, I, I'm not a person who has like fights pretty much ever. So when that information or that advice is given astrologically, I don't really resonate with it, but I know that a lot of people are very testy and have, uh, relationships where things can get a little heated. So that's just my advice for those who are in that position. Um yeah use it use it for the good use it for yourself use it for your own betterment so the 10th um mercury re-enters scorpio again we go back into a sense of it's it's funny because mercury in libra i I actually love mercury in libra and i discussed this i mean i don't know how many months ago in maybe like the september episode or something about how i really like libra because it's mercury in libra because it's quite lovely even though it's not like it's home or anything i just think it's really lovely um and and it's a lot more open in certain ways and certainly compared to scorpio where <laughs> mercury in scorpio is about um communicating from our shadows and communicating from a place of, of depth and transformation inside so it's funny that Mercury goes direct in a sign that is conducive to communication and then exactly a week later, Mercury re-enters the more subversive, more reticent sign of Scorpio and we're kind of back in this deep dive into our own, like the communication of our subconscious or and or our unconscious and or the collective unconscious. So 
that's a fun little thing happening on the same day that we get a grand mutable cross between the north node in Gemini, moon in Virgo, south node in Sagittarius, and Neptune in Pisces. This is just a super fluid day. Everything's mutable. Everything's changeable. So again, it's it's just, I love when these things coincide, um, where on the same day that we're diving back into our subconscious, we're having a day that allows us to so easily um, become fluid, become something that can seep into any little corner. It can become the wind that gets in through the crack or the water that seeps in through the cracks. You know, it's it it ha- it's shapeless, it's formless, and so it can get in anywhere, it can fit anywhere. That's the whole adaptability and mutability of mutable signs. So it's fun that we're going to have such a day of, of our ability to be adaptable. It's almost like I see how if your unconscious can, or subconscious can be a fortress that's hard to penetrate, this mutable energy, this grand mutable cross is like, yeah, we'll find a way in. We'll, we're, you know, we're mutable air, water, etc. We can find a way through the crack. There's always a crack in the system. There's always a way to get in. So the 12th, we have one of the biggest astrological occurrences of the year, according to many astrologers. I, I, I do truly wonder what it'll actually feel like, if it'll actually feel as big as it is. And I'm curious. We have Jupiter conjunct Pluto at 22 degrees Capricorn. Mm. So <laughs> we've had three of, well, this will have been our third of the year. The third and final of Jupiter conjunct Pluto for a very long time, and certainly in Capricorn for a very long time. This has so much to do with the expansion and um, exponential uh, forward momentum of our spiritual transformation and growth. Pluto as the scorpionic planet has everything to do with spiritual transformation and and inner healing and jupiter expands anything it touches so given that mercury has just re-entered scorpio and that we're still in scorpio season and that the following day the moon enters scorpio um this is a fun little dive And it's one of those days where I could see, you know me, I hate to be negative, but it is one of those days where I could see people having really intense, deep, somewhat dark thoughts come up, um, somewhat negative things come up, especially if, mm, I don't want this to sound in any way like uh, blaming or something, but if you've been avoiding some of the deeper work or realizations, um, then this could be a hard day for a lot of people. Um, I hate to say those things because I feel like karmically the universe is always going to say to me like, oh, you think you've done all this work, cat, huh? Like you think you're above it. You think that day is just going to be a cakewalk for you, huh? Like, well, there's always more, <laughs> more layers to the onion. But um, what I would say is please set aside time that day to work on um, 
to work with yourself to go deep. Um, those big energy days that I talked about at the very beginning. The 12th is actually absolutely one of them. It's funny because the 11th, 12th, and 13th are all individually of their own accord. They are high vibrational, high frequency days. But it also is fitting that the the 11th and the 13th are on either side of the 12th, which is supposed to be an incredibly potent day according to every astrologer. Um, and for example, like I don't know that other astrologers, no, I think they would agree with me on the 11th, 12th, and 13th all being incredible days. Um, oh, I feel like I skipped over the 11th. Because there's no specific astrological transit of great importance, on the 11th, um, yeah, there's really nothing like super major. Um, the moon is going into Libra around midday, but 11-11, um, always a portal every year. And 11-11 um, in 2020, I think you can do the math there. 11 equals 2, 11 equals 2 in 2020. So it is a funny little like perfect day. <laughs> you know, like, like mathematically perfect, which is always, um, it's, um, I feel like the 11th will be a really beautiful day is what I'm trying to say. And like, please, if it is good for you, please try to like harness that energy going into the 12th, just in case it happens to be a little intense for you. Also on the 12th, what we have as little form of intensity is the moon conjunct Venus at 19 degrees Libra, which is roughly square what's happening in um, Capricorn, the, Ju the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that day. And again, roughly square Mars in Aries at around like 16, 15 degrees as of, I think 15 degrees as of that point. And it's about to go direct the next day. So there's nothing, there's nothing like minor about the 12th. It's a really big day. And anytime the moon conjuncts Venus, it's an enhancement of emotionality, an enhancement of light shining on our hearts and on our, our like the deepest parts of our heart because the moon is often hidden uh, aspects of our emotionality and of our subconscious and Venus obviously represents our heart. So the two of them together, um, it's why like if you meet people with moon-Venus um, conjunctions, they can be really, really sweet depending on the sign or really, um, they just, they kind of like wear their heart on their sleeves in certain ways. They're just very emotional people. Um, I have uh, my moon exactly opposite my Venus, which makes, um, let's not get into that, but, but it's a, it's a, a similar thing to the conjunction in that it makes me incredibly emotional but the opposition also makes me like go sort of back and forth between uh, feeling so emotional that I can then like distance myself from my emotions, but it also forms like sort of like a light bridge between each other so that I feel like they really balance each other. Sometimes the problem with the conjunction is that it's so intense, it can like tip a scale, you know, towards that sign that it's in, whereas I feel like my opposition keeps me perhaps a little bit like too level in a sense about my emotions I guess that's what I mean by distant is that like it can be where there's where I, I so attempt to balance them because I can see from 
my scorpionic moon side but i can also see from the slightly more chill venus taurus side that they they really pair well together i will say um and the moon that happened today was pretty much almost exactly conjunct that um that axis for me that opposition but anyway uh, that's getting a little bit too much into mine um, also, let me know if you want me to do an episode just specifically about my own astrology and, and how I sort of interpret it, it for myself and how how it manifests, because I, I am curious if that would help you just get some ideas as to how some things would manifest for you. So then let's let's move on. The 13th, Mars goes direct at 15 degrees Aries. <laughs> We've been waiting for this. Um, my physicality has definitely been different, and I do think that's because my natal mars is in aries but i think this there's an element of that for everybody um where you're not totally sure what direction you're going in and like there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of having to make sure that when you move you're going forward because it's like oh have you okay this is a good analogy i think have you ever (laughs) um thought that you were either in reverse or drive on a car and you press the gas and it's you're actually not in the one that you thought you were in the one that you meant to be in that's a little bit of what mars and aries is it's like you step on the gas and like oops you meant to be going reverse but actually you were in forward drive and so you like slammed into the garage or you meant to be going forward but actually you were in reverse and oops you've backed into a car at full, like full speed it was like parked behind you so that can be a little bit of what Aries is, uh, Mars retrograde in Aries has been, is just like going full force, but not always going into the right direction. And so having to be like very cautious when you start to move that it is in the direction that you want to, because, you know, that's, that's pure fire that you're directing. So just make sure it's going the way that you want. So, and it's almost like the universe is the one in charge of, like, um, in charge of where the, the gear shift is, um, and so you're having to, like, make sure that you and the universe are on the same page, and if the universe happened to put it in the direction that you didn't want to go, that you have to, like, switch it over consciously, so there is a lot of, like, conscious, Uh, realignment that has to happen in a Mars retrograde especially in Aries for sure also that day on the 13th the moon is conjunct Mercury at three degrees Scorpio another thing that's like relevant to me specifically feels very personal because that's within um, two degrees of my moon sign in Scorpio but anyway um, so the moon is going to be or rather moon and Mercury is always about you know communicate being able to communicate what um what lies within and what is often hidden uh, especially in Scorpio of course so I think it's very interesting that the moon conjuncts Venus the day before it really shines a light on the most hidden parts of our heart and then the very next day the moon conjunct Mercury shines a light on the deeper parts of our our conscious communicative network in our brains and it's still in Mercury shadow, so we're still kind of going over some of the things that we've been going over for the past couple months. Um, let's move on to the fifth. Oh, I I don't know if I said enough about Mars Direct, but I think you you got the point. I'm excited about it because there should be a little bit of a backing off 
after that point or at least a couple days after that point of this like intensely weird almost frenetic energy for me and I know for a lot of people it has manifested as insomnia as really strange sleep schedules as strange like biological rhythms being thrown off mine has been super thrown off like just have really struggled to get it where I want it um because I it's like I have energy at weird times of the day slash I have way more energy than normal but it's also kind of easy to like burn out um and have like a bit of adrenal fatigue I fortunately have not been feeling that yet but I feel very I'm trying to be really careful that I don't get that um so I'm hoping that after the 13th like right after the 13th it's the weekend it's the 14th and 15th so I'm hoping to get a lot of sleep I feel like those days will be a bit like hibernatory and then on the 15th we have the eclipse portal opening until January 13th because we have the new moon in Scorpio so how eclipse portal wormholes work whatever you want to call them is that they begin on the new moon before the first new moon eclipse so the new moon uh or sorry before the first eclipse so the first eclipse we have is the full moon eclipse on the 30th and so the new moon directly preceding that it has to be a new moon that is not the eclipse um and that's what opens the portal so that's the one in scorpio very very fun and um i think it's like sextiling pluto at 22 or so of capricorn Mm, i think that's gonna be fun i just got a really lovely sense about it and just trying to like tap into the the feeling sense of that and so yeah it's gonna be intense because it's scorpio but to me mm, it feels really really sweet and magical and lovely and i'm so excited about it um it's so funny because my mental my mental self wants to be like are you kidding new moon in scorpio is intense like nobody likes that and i'm like but i do um because it's a new moon in my 12th house which is always fun um and by fun i mean (laughs) i learn a lot because i'm always put through (laughs) intensity like it's yeah anyway it's individual is my point but i'm excited because scorp it's like when things fit it makes me a lot happier so in an intense year to have an intense new moon in scorpio like i'm about it you know because intensity matches intensity and it just feels like a better flow when you try to have these like really light placements in a really heavy year there's just something that doesn't totally flow and like there's a part in you know like when we've had certain seasons that in any other year would have been a lot more like bright and light and fun and this year it was like wait but we're supposed to have fun in Gemini season and we're supposed to have fun in Leo season and I'm supposed to feel bright and shiny and be social in Libra season and it was like none of that really happened or at least not um not in the same way I did get a dose of each of those and I hope that you guys did too but the point is it can be frustrating to to know 
that things should be lighter than they are, but in this year, it's like, mm, well, it's not a typical Libra season, and so it's, yeah. So at least with Scorpio, it's like, oh, well, it's supposed to be intense every year, and a Scorpio season is intense for me every year, and pretty much for everybody. So, you know, in a season like this, it's like, okay, good, I'm not trying to split my energy between feeling like I should be, you know, in a in a bright, light, cheerful, social mode in 2020. So that's kind of what I mean by like when things match, I'm I'm cool with it because they're not trying to they're not like fighting with each other. They're not contradicting. It's like, yeah, this is a heavy year and here's all this Scorpio energy to like really dive into it and transform it and alchemize it. And I'm just a I mean, Scorpio moon 12th house, like I'm all about it. So Mm, and also anytime an eclipse portal opens it makes me so happy because I mean I'm a Gemini at the end of the day like despite my Scorpio placements I like movement and I like forward movement and the portal is like this really strong gust of wind that like gets the plane up into the air and it's just like allowing it to really like to basically turn into a rocket ship and go really far let's go to the 18th a little capricorn stelium little intensity jupiter pluto saturn and the moon and let me just flip to december for myself and look at what's happening here Mm. anyway anyway okay so that was the thing i was gonna say wasn't anyway so they (laughs) the 18th um Lovely little Capricorn stelium, very intense. Um, All of those planets are direct. And it's one of our last Capricorn steliums for a while. Well, of these planets anyway, for a while. Because next month, I think we'll have one more of these sort of steliums. And then Jupiter and Saturn will move on. So it's it's one of those days where it should be really clear to you what that test in December, that Saturn daddy adult test that we're getting in December. The 18th is a day to be like, uh, you know, the day that, that somebody gives you the cheat sheet, that somebody like gets a copy of that test and gives it to you so that you can know exactly what it is, exactly what you need to study in order to pass that thing. And it might even give you some of the answers. It might be a really clarifying day about what 2020 has been teaching you anything that you've like not understood or like why is the universe pressing me like this like what is it doing to me and why and like what is the goal what are what's supposed to come of this that's the 18th is one of those days where you're gonna be like oh my god you were trying to do that that is what I asked you for that is what I really want from my life that is where I want my where I see my future going towards like okay that was what I had to do all right no I understand thank you so much (laughs) thank you so the 18th just be really grateful for whatever information you receive on the 18th even if it's unsavory information just be really grateful um the 19th mercury retrograde shadow ends hooray the 21st venus enters scorpio So it's funny and a little, hmm, I have mixed feelings, that Venus enters Scorpio and then super soon after the sun enters Sagittarius because personally, 
I would love to have Venus in Scorpio during Scorpio season because, you know, it fits. Sagittarius is a little bit lighter. Venus in Scorpio during Sag season is not my favorite because Venus in Scorpio is like, oh, it is like possessive and intense and loyal and it's like those scorpionic hooks they go deep honey like that claw goes in it doesn't want to come out too easy but when you have these sagittarius placements so like if you're a person with venus and scorpio and then you have other sagittarius placements and you're like aware that they don't I don't like get along super well with Venus and Scorpio um yeah that's kind of why because Sagittarius doesn't want to cling it it wants to be light it wants to be able to move it's kind of a loner because it's always got a mission and it's you know it's a hunter like it has to have exact aim and so it can't be have anybody throwing it off its aim or throwing its aim off course so <laughs> it is a bit of like a disjunctive disconjunct energy to have Venus in Scorpio during Sun in Sag, but at least we get a few hours of, of um, Venus and the Sun in Scorpio, whatever. Anyway, Venus in Scorpio, though, I'm still excited. It's still going to be really fun, and uh, maybe it'll, maybe it's really nice that we'll have the balance of Sag, whatever. So Sun enters Sag later that day. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's just, again, probably another clarifying day because Sagittarius is a sign of, well, it's Jupiterian, so it is a sign of uh, abundance, luck, joy, exuberance, positivity, optimism. Um, but again, it's a little funny to have that Sagittarian energy in a 2020 year, um, especially when, like, normally Saggy season is... I don't know, it's like a winding down of the year, and it's like, okay, we're getting really excited about the holidays, and um, let's sort of like backtrack a little bit, but anyway, I don't, we'll get into that later on, because I don't have a super a super clear sense of this Sagittarius season, because it's not going to feel like a Sagittarius season, it's why, it's why these seasons have been so, like, honestly, Scorpio is the first season that to me, I was like, yep, it is, it is scorpionic, and all of the other seasons have been, like, really mixy and really different, and Scorpio was the first one that was just like, no, we're gonna have a Scorpio season, (laughs) it's just gonna be on steroids, which, um, I mean, personally, I'm okay with, we're only half, not even halfway through, but I'm okay with it in theory, and Sagittarius season is just not gonna be that way, I also have to say, as a personal note, that I typically have my crash point every year right as Sagittarius season starts I think it's because my um my chart starts at zero degrees Sagittarius so my sort of like the year if you want to look at um your astrological wheel as a year my new year's day is the start of Sagittarius season I'm literally a zero degree Sag rising it's possible that I'm a 29 degree Scorpio rising, you know, depending on the time situation. But anyway, my point is that I I think for me, how I interpret it as is that I've just been through 
the sun transiting my 12th house in Scorpio and that's a, like a certain exhaustive deeply transformative process every year and when it's over I just want to sleep like nobody's business like I just want to hibernate for a month basically and then usually I wake up around Christmas so it's like I I really like keep pushing for Thanksgiving because I love Thanksgiving and I love making the food and the desserts and all the things um so I always do that but then it's like yo that feast comes and I just hibernate right after but anyway we'll get into that um probably later on in another episode potentially um you know I think I will probably get into that in another episode because we're going to have to talk about the uh, eclipse portal and how, how the south node relates to Sagittarius that's the other thing that's happening is like Sagittarius season isn't typical this year because the south node is in Sagittarius so the sun is going to be over this point of karmic clearing um and like the sweeping away the karmic debris of wherever Sagittarius is in your chart and so for me it's the first house it's it's Aries the Aries house it's the same thing that Mars has been trying to teach me a lesson in again this feels very personal to me and I'm wondering if it if everybody's sort of fabric has been woven this way as well or a similar way for them the 23rd the moon is conjunct Neptune in which Neptune's still retrograde and it's at 18 degrees Pisces this is like going to be a little bit of a swimmy day um and the 23rd it just like has a nice I think I knew somebody with a birthday that way or that day um it's just going to be a little bit swimmy, a little bit foggy, so try not to make any really big decisions that day, because what might be, what might seem really clear, just, you know, give it a couple days, and if you still feel that way, then move forward towards it, but, um, I would suggest mm, being just a little bit more introspective, rather than reactive or super interactive. The 25th moon is conjunct Mars at 16 degrees, and this is, it is finally conjuncting Mars when it's no longer retrograde. We, I think by the end of this whole, like, Martian cycle, we will have had at least six moon-Mars conjunctions in Aries this year alone, um, and that's, mm, a lot. When the moon conjuncts Mars, it has a lot to do with passion, but it can also have a lot to do with fighting because there can be a lot of like that emotionality of frustration that leads to um, acting out your like based on your emotions and they can be a little bit childlike because Aries energy is the absolute baby of the zodiac, not the way that Gemini is baby, but like because just because it's the first sign um and so the moon can kind of like revert us because the moon has to do with our our inner self and a lot to do with our inner child moon mars is just a little bit um testy and so that day on the 25th it should be better in some ways now that mars is retrograde but i just again I would I would advise caution and th- 
thinking twice before you say whatever you want to say. On the 28th, Neptune will go direct at 18 degrees Pisces. Very much looking forward to this. Neptune in direct, Neptune direct is not the, it's not the most powerful, like, retrograde situation because it's one of the more outer planets, but it is in the sense of that Neptune has so much to do with our dreaming and our creativity, um, our feminine sides, somewhat to do with our fertility and our, and sort of like our fertile energy as it relates to the cosmos, not necessarily like our earthly fertility, but like our cosmic fertility and our soul fertility. So when it goes direct, we can find that um, our dreams are a little bit clearer, a little bit easier to understand, maybe more communicative, and that we're clearer about our actual, like not, you know, not just our nocturnal dreams, but our real dreams in real life and having a greater sense of how to accomplish those and go after those. Um, I think that um, Pisces get this really weird stereotype as being like lazy and I've actually found a lot of Pisces that are like super driven and yes probably some of them have Aries placements but whatever anyway Pisces knows how to relax is the thing they really do and they they are typically very like peace loving and they they like bliss they also you know depending on their other placements like a little bit of drama but um but I think that I've just known too many driven Pisces to to see them as lazy. So Neptune does have a certain amount of um like forward moving motivational energy and when it goes direct it really can help us move towards our dreams and making our dreams a reality. I think that's what one of Uh, Neptune's main goals is is to get us to physically realize our wildest dreams like the the downloads and the inspirations that we get from the cosmos which is why like Pisces is a sign associated with a lot of art and artists Um, and so when we get those downloads from the universe about creativity um, or even like expressing our own unique selves um, Neptune really wants us to bring that into this world. It wants us to be a little, um, strange and out there. It wants Earth to be a real melting pot of energies because potentially a bunch of us souls are from different dimensions and planes and galaxies and, uh, etc. So, um, So Neptune wants that to be represented on Earth. It doesn't want Earth to just be this super terrestrial place. It wants us to remember that we are a collective of really eclectic beings, not just like that we might all be in, you know, human bodies, but that our souls come from many, many different places and therefore we can make the Earth a really wildly colorful, artistic, unexpected, strange place. Mm, that's really fun. I'm excited about that. Um, on the 30th, we have the full moon penumbral lunar eclipse in Gemini at 8 degrees. And that is the first eclipse of this eclipse, this last eclipse portal season of 2020. 
um, and that's gonna be kind of fun, I think. Um, we don't, we can't really know too much about this until we get a little bit closer, which is how I felt about a lot of these full moons. Like, you'll get a sense of them, but as I've said in past episodes, I don't like to presume too much about newer full moons. I just really like to experience them because I think the whole point of the moon is to go deep into our into our soul and into ourselves as opposed to being in the mind in this sort of like thinking analytical way and it is funny then that the you know moon is in the eclipse is happening in gemini which is an intellectual mental sign but something that people frequently misunderstand about gemini's is this thinking that we're very superficial and that we like to really stay in our mind we really do want to work through a lot of things with our mind, but it's because, a lot of the times anyway, it's because we have really, really strong intuitions and a vast array of information at our disposal because we are the sign that receives so much information, us and also Sagittarius and Scorpio in its own way, certainly. But we're really the collectors and the purveyors of information. And so we kind of feel almost this obligation of like, okay, well, we know all this stuff, so we should really like analyze it, make sense of it, like work through the data, right? But we also have these intuitions of like, okay, but I also have these feelings. And so like, do I need to make sense of how my feelings, um, you know, coordinate with the information that I've received? Like, and what, what if my intuition doesn't match up with the information that I'm receiving from people or from the world? Like, what does that mean? And so a Gemini can, sorry about that, I got cut off because my lovely sister was calling me. We're about to do a fire pit for Halloween. We're going to make s'mores and uh, my fire fire mastery skills were requested. So I'm going to wrap this up. I know what I was just talking about was this uh, strange dynamic for the Gemini energy of intuition versus intellect because Gemini energy and again let's let's not think of this just as you know if you're born in the sun sign of Gemini because everybody has Gemini in their chart just more or less pronounced you know more or less highlighted and and so everybody has this within themselves where the Gemini duality between having really strong intuitive abilities to pick up to use our senses that are very sharp like it's why Geminis can have really nervous energy because we're super, super sensitive to sound and light and color and um, vibes and moods, etc. Um, and like the tone of somebody's voice and, and the way that they sit. So anyway, um, that and trying to reconcile that with information that we receive from people when a lot of the times people aren't People who aren't aware of their own truth, a Gemini will be able to see through it. And I've been called out by other Geminis who see something about me that I didn't. And I would say that I more often get properly called out by Geminis and then secondarily by Virgos and maybe third by Pisces um, and sometimes Cancers 
about things that I didn't see because Geminis, I just, they're very, very perceptive and they really see through a lot of uh, misinformation. So that full moon eclipse, I think it's going to encourage us to side with the intuitive Gemini twin that relies on feeling and within our own sense of what is true. And so I think that's a really fun eclipse to start out with for this this season. Um, I'm excited that November ends with it. I think in the past episodes I've talked about how every month has its own sort of bookend situation going on. October was a really strong version of that. November is a little different in the sense that the 1st of November, which is tomorrow, or well, while you're listening to this potentially today, um, it is not exactly the the book beginning. It is in the sense that it's kind of a fresh start because we had we will have had this full moon today, the 31st, for me today anyway. Um, and so the first, it's like we get to start off with no full moon for the next 29 days. So it's sort of like we start a month with a bit of a clean canvas with like the energy of the previous month, but with the, like the, sorry, what I mean is the energy of the previous month giving us a boost, but being able to, to like not take so much of the heaviness of it into November because we are starting this new month fresh and then we really like just lead and lead and lead up to the 30th at the very last day of November so again fun little bookend that the last day is that full moon and is the first eclipse of this eclipse season oh also I wanted to add that daylight savings time ends um and so I believe we get an extra hour tonight I believe um so that is another fun way of like starting off November which we like we're given we're gifted an extra hour this month so that's kind of like a like nice little gift from Saturn the ruler of time so anyway I hope that you guys have found this episode illuminating if you did please consider sharing it um with a friend or with anybody who you think would resonate with it please also consider donating to my Venmo at cat-beyond or purchasing something from my shop. You can also donate there if you feel called to my Etsy shop, which is catbeyond.etsy.com. It really helps me to continue being able to do these episodes and shows me that people are getting value from this and and finding them resonant and um, worth your time and energy and and currency. Uh, If you have any questions, any thoughts, that have been sparked any comments please feel free to leave them um well in the comments below if you're listening to this on youtube and if you're listening to this on any other platform then um you know either go to youtube or you can comment on the instagram post that will be about this episode those are both good ways to communicate with me about this um i am really curious as always to see how Uh, the previous month's astrology resonated for you so if you want to share anything about that if you want to share anything about what you're excited for november um in reference to then i would love to know what your plans are what your thoughts are what the what the vibes are that you're picking up on for november and moving forward just always wanting to have a dialogue wanting this to be a community um 
you know, 2020 has been a little lacking in that social interaction. And I, I really feel like I've gotten actually like a good, a good bit more than I expected to in quarantine, but it's just so nice to have a community in any form that we can, especially with uh, like-minded and like-hearted people. With that being said, I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, take care of yourself, breathe. You are so loved and it is important to remember that and also to give that love, compassion, and acceptance to yourself. Take care, be well. Until next time, bye.